Well, today I do want to begin a, a new series, and the title of this series is Stand Your Ground. Can you say that with me? Stand your ground. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're going to have to stand your ground. Go ahead and tell them that right now. <clears throat> now, this idea of standing your ground is to refuse to retreat or lose your advantage in the face of opposition. Long before the much-debated stand-your-ground law of recent years that seems to be sweeping through our nation, uh, God had a stand-your-ground law or principle already set in place in his word. And basically, it goes like this. God has promised that he will always have our back so long as we stand our ground. If we will stand in the place of his calling, of his anointing, of his appointing, if we will stand in the place of our, of our lives, of where God wants us to be according to his word, in the face of opposition, in the face of difficulty, he says, you just stand there and I got you. But I can't do anything with people who compromise their position and run away. If you won't stand there, what can I do? If you're running, if you're hiding, if you're ducking, if you're giving up, where can we go with this? You stand your ground, I got your back. You'll see victory. And I really feel like God wants to speak to us in this time in which we are in because right now we are in a world right now of of, uh, you know, cultural chaos. We're experiencing it all around us in our culture. It just really kind of went, I don't know if you've noticed this, it went upside down. It's kind of topsy-turvy. It's a little bit loose. It's a little bit unstable. But we can be stable in the Lord so long as we stand our ground. We all deal with personal conflict in some way or other in our lives. And we need to understand that in the battle, in the, in the face of conflict, the only way we're going to see victory is to stand our ground. We don't know what imminent crisis is around the corner. We didn't know two years ago that COVID was around the corner. We don't know what the next thing might be around the corner, but we've got to be able, no matter what the crisis is, to stand our ground. So the last thing we need to be doing is compromising our position and our place in the Lord. And so I want to be, I'm going to be talking about this over the next couple of weeks. And, and uh, the, where, I, where I get this from, and I'm going to spend the next few weeks out of 2 Samuel chapter 23, where David in the uh, last years of his life writes about God, how God moved in his life and what God did. And he talks about his 30 mighty men or 30 warriors, the 30 warriors of David. Now, this is not a 30-week series, so don't, don't get nervous. But over the next few weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out a couple of David's mighty men and just look at them and learn some lessons from their life because these guys that he talks about, I think, serve as an example to every one of us in Christ today. The Bible said everything you read in the Old Testament is written for our edification today to, to apply principles that we see in their life to our life now. And when David writes about these men, he writes about the great exploits that they did, the mighty things that they did. And basically, we see in their stories how that they stood their ground in the face of great opposition. And it was because of that that God gave them the victory. And so today, I want to talk about standing our ground with the weapon of prayer. And I've entitled this message, The Spear of Prayer. I, have, I happen to have a spear that was gifted to me. And uh, this, is a real this is the real deal right here. This is a real spear. And um, this was gifted to me a few years ago. 
And when I was reading through the stories of David's mighty men, and we're going to read a couple verses here in a moment, we're going to see the word spear and how they did great exploits with their spear. And uh, I'll explain where I get this idea that the spear represents prayer, but this is what I'm talking about. Anybody want to try to catch this if I throw it at No, no. Let's read together. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Jashib, Beshabeth, the Tecmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino. For our purposes today, I'm just going to call him Dino. He was called Adino the Esnite because he killed 800 men at one time. Now let me just stop there and just say that here it just says he killed 800 men, but if you read the companion passage to this in 1 Chronicles, it says that he did it with a spear. He killed 800 men at one time with a spear. Then we go on to verse 18 of 2 Samuel chapter 23, and it says, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zurich, the chief, was chief among another three. He lifted up his spear against 300 men and killed them and won a name among these three. So I'm going to talk today about lifting up the spear of prayer. So let's pray. Father, thank you for everyone that is in this room right now and everyone watching online. I pray, Lord, that we would hear the call that we would hear the call to be mighty men and women of God in this hour. And God, that we would hear the call to stand our ground in prayer. I pray for any one of us, God, where we are struggling, where we have walked away, maybe where we have given up concerning this thing called prayer. I pray today, God, that you would equip our hearts to become men and women who stand our ground in the spirit of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Full disclosure, I have been recently struggling in my prayer life. I am committed to a devotional life. Every morning for many years now, I get up five 5.30 in the morning, I go off to my, you know, to a, to a room in my house. I open the Bible. I read through the Bible. Sometimes I have a commentary that I'm reading along with it, and uh, maybe I have another good book or a devotional that I have, and I, and I read, and I try to fill up my heart with God's Word, and then at some point, I close the books, I turn out the light, and I turn on music, and I either lay there, kneel there, sit there, or walk around there, and I pray. And that's been my commitment. I'm committed to that. But I have to be honest. I've been struggling in it. In other words, I've been, I've been in movement, but I feel like I don't have any momentum in it. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And I, I've been a little discouraged with the way things are going and how things are looking, and I, I start to have these kinds of thoughts. I don't know if you're like me, but I start to have these kind of thoughts like, man, it just doesn't seem like this is really working. It doesn't seem like things are getting any better. It doesn't think, seem like things are changing, and I get really discouraged. Or I get, I, I, I'm disappointed with how slow, see, slow things seem to be happening. And I feel like that my prayers well, I just don't feel like they're very powerful. And, but I'm doing it. I'm trying to do it. And oftentimes my prayers end up being, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Come on, does anybody else know what I'm talking about? In case lightning strikes, we're all going. It's like that sometimes. And I've been like that in my life. But I know and I've been around this, there is a danger when we find ourselves in this place, if we embrace this, this struggle in our spirit, we can uh, devolve into kind of a lukewarmness of heart. 
And when we got lukewarm, you know what Jesus said about lukewarmness. He, you know what he said about it? He said, I'd rather you be hot. I'd rather you be cold. But your lukewarmness is a problem for me. And if we embrace this lukewarm spirit, we begin to lay down on our responsibility as God's servants, as God's vessels in the age and in the day that we live. And listen, if we're going to be mighty men and women of God, we have got to stand our ground in the place of prayer. We can't back off now. We have to stay with it. Now, I don't want to get legalistic about this. I do not think that a prayerless Christian goes to hell, but I don't think it's a very victorious way to get to heaven either. I've heard Christians tell me, I haven't prayed for months in their struggling, and I understand that. I identify with the struggle of prayer, but listen, we can't let that drive us. We can't let that get into our spirit, and that's the way we live our lives. We have to be men and women of prayer. We need to pick up the spear of prayer, and we need to be like Adino and Abishai, two of David's mighty men. And God is calling us back to this prayer. And I want to, I see, and I see this, uh, this idea of the spear being prayer. Let me give you an example where I get this from. When I was reading in the Bible where Moses in Exodus chapter 17, when the Israelites were going against the Amalekites in a battle, the Bible says that Moses went on top of the hill to oversee the battle and that he lifted up his rod in prayer to heaven. And as long as his rod of prayer was lifted up on top of the mountain, God gave victory down in the valley floor where the men were fighting. But whenever he grew weary, whenever he got discouraged, whenever it just seemed like nothing, it was just taking too long, when he began to droop his hands, then the enemy started getting the victory over the children of God. And so Aaron and Hur saw this, and when they, they noticed that when he grew weary, they started to lose the war. So they stood beside him and helped him lift up his arms to keep the rod of prayer up. And so long as the rod of prayer was up, God gave them the victory and they won the battle. Well, many years later, after Moses is gone, Joshua is now leading the children of Israel to conquer the land of Canaan. And they come to this little city by the name of Ai. And it was, a, it was a troublesome battle. And they lost the first one. And so they went back at it. And God told Joshua, here's what you're going to do. He said, I want you to lift up your spear over the city of Ai. You lift up your spear over the city and I will give you the city. And I see in that a picture, an application for us today, that when we lift up the spear of prayer, God is going to give us the victory. But if we let down in our prayer life, if we get discouraged and frustrated with it, give up on it, turn away, compromise in that area, we are going to see continued losses in our life that we don't have to see. Come on now. Give me an amen or an oh me. Praise God. So today, what I want to do is I want to unpack this idea of what spear prayer is. And I'm going to do it using an acronym. Spear. S-P-E-A-R. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You're not going to miss this. Amen. So... I'm going to use this idea. There are, I guess, five ideas of what spear prayer looks like to be more effective in our prayer, standing our ground in the prayer life. Standing your ground. So we need to stand our ground praying, first of all, S, spiritually. And what I mean by spiritually, I mean by the Spirit of God praying with our spiritual language. Or praying, as the old Pentecostals used to say, in tongues. And yes, I'm starting right here. Because I really believe that this is an element of our prayer life 
that God has made available to us for the purpose of victory in the days in which we live. And when we pray, we need to pray spiritually, of the Spirit, or in the Spirit. And among things that that means is that we have, we have been given the opportunity to receive spiritual language that is not just for our edification, but for the expansion of the kingdom of God. Adino and Abishai were men of the Spirit. When they showed up to help David, to come to David, David was in a low place in his life, but David was anointed to be king, and when they came to David, they were, they were busted, disgusted, frustrated men. They, didn't, they weren't going anywhere in life, but when they submitted and surrendered their life to David, then his anointing came upon them, and whatever they did, they did under the anointing and the power of his God. And so we see that they were spirit warriors. They came under the power and the anointing of David. And we are to be spirit warriors of prayer. I want you to look at this verse of scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says these words. Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication, for all the saints. Now, many of us know that that, leave that verse up there if you would. We know that that comes at the end of Paul's great kind of warfare, warfare passage where he talks about putting on the armor of God, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, and taking up the shield of faith, and putting on the gospels of the shoes of peace, and, and you know, a helmet of salvation. And, and he comes down to the end, and he, and he gives one more instruction, but he doesn't give a piece of armor to it. He says, praying always, put on faith, put on righteousness, put on uh, salvation, uh, take up the sword of the Spirit. He, he gives all of these analogies, but he, and he ends it with praying always. And I was like, oh, man, you missed your great opportunity. Should have said, take up the spear of prayer. That, that would have been how I wrote it, which is probably why I didn't write it. But it's interesting to me because every Roman soldier had a breastplate. They had shoes especially equipped to battle. They had the belt they, to hold it all together. They had a sword. They, they had a helmet. But they also had a spear. Every Roman soldier had a spear. And Paul didn't mention the spear, but I think that the idea of prayer is in the spear. Because when Roman soldiers would go to battle, what they would do when they would line up against another army, oftentimes what they would do is that they would launch their spear into the air and the army would hold up, the other uh, enemy army would hold up their shield and most of shields in antiquity were made out of wood, maybe overlaid with a thin piece of metal, but mostly made out of wood and covered over with leather. And so when these spears were flying through the air, they would hold up their shield and the spear would land and it would lodge in their shield, rendering it almost useless because it was stuck in their shield. And while they were trying to deal with the spear in the shield, the army rushed them with their dagger-like swords and they got into hand-to-hand -hand combat. I want you to see in this the image of what prayer does. Prayer in the Spirit is like a guided missile. And it's piercing the darkness. And it gives us an edge in the battle that we wouldn't otherwise have. When Paul said, pray in the Spirit, we know, among other things, that he meant pray with the aid and the unction of the Holy Spirit, or pray in the language of the Spirit. Let me give you an example. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, he says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, he says, my mind doesn't understand what I'm saying, 
but my spirit in the Holy Spirit is praying. So with my mind, I pray with my thoughts, but when I pray with tongues or spiritual language, I pray the Spirit's thoughts. And that gives me an edge because he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, he says these words. He says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. God gives us spiritual language for the purpose of prayer and intercession. That when we pray in the unknown language that God gives us, something we didn't learn, it's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our life. What you read in the book of Acts chapter 2 and chapter 8 and chapter 10 and chapter 19, where we see it over and over in the life of the church, of the early church, where people were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages. They received a supernatural endowment of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of giving them a power and an edge in life, in conflict, and in troubles that we face. And so the Lord wants us to have this grace and this gift. God wants us to experience this in our life. How do we, how do we receive this spiritual language? How do we receive this? Every one of us can receive the language of the Spirit because it's a gift of God that He wants to give us. And He gives it at the outpouring of his Holy Spirit in our hearts. It is a gift available to all of God's kids, to every one of us in the room. It is a gift the Lord wants us to have and to possess. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, in my name you shall speak with new tongues. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are the very words that Jesus himself said. In my name you shall speak with new tongues. God wants us to have a spiritual language that is beyond our own understanding. Listen, we all need to pray with our own understanding. But there comes a time when I don't know, I run out of ideas, and I run out of uh, wisdom, and I run out of, of, of understanding. And so when I enter in, when I step into praying in my spiritual language, I don't know really what I'm saying, but here's what I do know. I'm speaking to God. And things are getting done by the Spirit of God because it's a power beyond myself or my own understanding. And God has made this available to us. And so, God wants us to receive the gift. How do we receive this gift? Like you receive everything from God, by faith. By faith. How many in the room got saved by faith? You didn't get saved unless there was faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. How do I receive the spiritual language of the Spirit of God? By faith. You receive it. You receive the language of the Holy Spirit. So you ask the Lord. You say, Lord, give me this spiritual language. Let me pray with tongues. Give me a language, God, of the Spirit so that I'm equipped for the battles that I face in life. And I believe he gives it. I really do. And I'm not going to, you know, I know people say, well, I've, I've prayed and I've not received. And I... And so I'm not going to, I don't want to argue with it. I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to beat anybody up. I stand on what I read in God's word that this is a grace that the Lord wants to bestow on every one of us. But I have to receive it by faith. There's a, in our church, we have this great guy. His name is Randy Fortier. Randy is a Southern Baptist from way back. I hope he doesn't mind. Randy, if you're watching, I love you. And he came to our church many years ago, Baptist and, uh, you know, to the core. But he came to our church, and they loved our church, and they started coming here, and they came out of Mississippi, and they live over in the Whitehall area, and they, and they started attending our church. And they were just enthralled with the worship, and they just loved the spirit of the church, and they still come today. 
And many years ago, he came into my office and shared this testimony with me, and I thought it was just so cool. He was sitting back somewhere over here, if I remember correctly, and he was, it was in the middle of a worship service. And he was singing the songs and just feeling the presence of God. And, and he said, when I was, I, I just, you know, I just, I was, he said, I had my hands on the back of the, of the chairs and I was just clenching the chairs and I, I could just feel God's presence so strong in this place when they were worshiping the Lord. And, and he was just like praying, God, I want more of you and, and I just need you, God, in my life. And, 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 I, and I don't remember if he said he prayed for tongues or anything like that, but while he was praising the Lord, he said all of a sudden, he had this overwhelming feeling and sensation that come on him, and he just began to praise God in a language he had never had or learned before in his life. And he said, here I am, a Baptist, and I'm praising God in tongues. And that's not a slight against the Baptist, but you know there are some people that do not believe that something like this is for today. But we believe that this is for today, especially in the times in which we live. In church, the S is praying spiritually. In other words, pray in the language of the Spirit. And if you don't, haven't received that yet, I say press in, stand your ground and say, God, I'm not leaving this place until I receive what you have for me. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Amen. P, let's go to the P. We need to pray persistently. In other words, we pray until something happens. That's a double acronym. Pray, P-U-S-H, push. Everybody say push. Pray persistently or pray until something happens. So Adino and Abishai lifted their sword, watch this, one of them, 800 times. The other one, 300 times. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of, you know, stabbing. That's a lot of killing. I mean, 800 times. 300 times. Over and over and over again. But it was when they endured in the battle and in, and in the warfare, that's when they saw the victory. They had to persist in order to overcome. And listen, in prayer, it's going to take a while sometimes. And we can't quit. We can't stop. We can't give up. Come on, is anybody out there? Are you with me? I mean, I got a, I got a spear in my hand. You may have to pray a while for the stuff that you're facing, the stuff that you're going through, the stuff that you're waiting on. It may take a while, but we're going to have to hang in there and we're going to have to keep praying and believing and trusting and standing our ground. Not giving it a couple shots and then running away or quitting or walking away from it all. We're going to have to pray it through. It's called persistence. Perseverance. Staying with it. Not giving up. And this is what Paul was saying when he said, in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, he said, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. This is the Christian life. Stay in a place of joy. Stay in a place of patience, even when things are not feeling good, and continue to pray. In fact, I would say continuing steadfastly in prayer helps you to maintain joy in your life and keeps you in a place of patience while you wait in the tribulation. We may have to pray a few hundred times. Come on now. You may have to pray. Yeah, you got a couple of victories here. You got a dozen over there or four dozen over there, but there's more battle ahead. There's more resistance ahead, and it may take a while. We got to stay with the prayer. 
Amen. Prayer is, it's not, it's not God just getting things done through you, but it's God getting things done in you too. And that's why prayer sometimes takes a while. Because God is more interested in what is going on in your heart than what he wants to do through your life and through your prayers. And so there's, there's all kinds of things going on in the spirit realm. But we need to persist in prayer. Push until something happens. Persist until something happens. How long do we pray about something? You might be asking the question, how long do I go with this? I mean, I've prayed. I've given it between 800 and 300. That's 1,100 times. I've prayed 1,100 times. I've done it the biblical way. How long do I keep at it? Well, first of all, we pray until the will of God is done. We keep praying until God's will is accomplished. The Bible says that Jesus gave a parable that men ought always to pray and never give up. Luke chapter 18. So if you read the story, it's a a widow that goes to the unjust judge and she's coming to him and saying, I've got this issue, I've got this problem and this judge doesn't care about her, doesn't care about God. And just ignores her. But she keeps pressing in. She keeps pressing in. And finally he says, she's wearing on my last nerve. I'm just going to give her what she wants so I can get her off my back. This parable is a parable of contrast. Here's what Jesus is not saying. God is hard to get to. He's reluctant in helping you. you got to really wear him down. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's a contrast parable. In other words, Jesus is saying, God, your father, is not like that unjust judge. And you're not like some poor widow. You're a child of God. And he's your loving heavenly father. And how much more will he do for you? But he did give it with this idea. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep pressing in. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your ministry. Don't give up on what God has given to you right now. Keep pressing in. Hold your ground. Stand your ground. Come on now. So you pray until the will of God is done. You pray until you get an answer from God. Sometimes you pray about something, and God will give you an answer. And then... We're always tempted sometimes to say, no, that's not it, God. (laughs) When he gives you an answer, he told you what to do with it. And what do you do with it? You trust him now. You wait it out. You just, you know, I got got the answer, God. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to stand my ground with this answer. And I'm, it's, I got the answer. Now you got to trust God. Here's another here's here's what you pray until as well. Pray until the peace of God comes. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 he said, "Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything with supplication and thanksgiving." And then the peace of God which transcends all human understanding will come and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Pray until the peace of God comes on you and you have a sense of God's peace with you. Persist in prayer. Hold the ground in prayer. Persistence. Hold the ground also. Now we're going to go to E. S is praying spiritually. P is praying with Persistence. E is praying earnestly. In other words, praying with passion and wholehearted devotion. Praying full of faith. Having faith in your prayers. To kill 800 people in one battle calls for a special kind of earnestness. It takes work. How many of you know that prayer is work? It is. Prayer takes energy. It takes effort to press beyond yourself. 
So we need to learn to pray with an earnestness and a passion in our heart. And I know, I've told you, I already confessed to you, at the outset of this, I have been in a kind of, kind of a dull place in my own spirit, in my own prayer life. I haven't really been feeling like prayer. And I don't want to go in there and just kind of conjure up some emotion. I want it to be real. But I also know that it takes, it takes a, a kind of fervency in your own heart to press through your depressed feelings. To stay in that place of prayer, to, to be earnest in prayer, not ho-hum about it. But to, to, you know, to put on the spirit of prayer like Elijah did. James wrote about Elijah in James chapter 15, or chapter 5, verse 16. He says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's just sit on that for a second. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is really very productive. It is availing. It gets somewhere. What does he mean by effective and fervent? That's one word in the Greek language, and it literally refers to energy, like a, like a bolt of energy. So he's like, pray with some energy. Pray with some faith in your heart. Pray with some enthusiasm in your life. Pray with expectation. Come on, wake yourself up in the spirit and put on a little feeling in your heart. And you don't, you don't have to get loud like I'm doing, but we need to get lively. Amen. Come on, give me a good amen out there. I got a cold right now. I need some support. We need that surge of passion in our life. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then he goes, and he gives us an example of this. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Go on to the next verse. And he prayed, how did he pray? Earnestly, that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then the next verse goes on and says, and he prayed again that it would, and it did. But look how he did it. There was earnestness. Now, if you remember the story, for three and a half years, there was no rain on the land. And God told him, he said, now it's time. I'm going I'm to bring the rain I'm going to come back. You know what he did? He didn't go home and say, okay, God's just going to do it. That's not what he did. You know what he did? He went on top of the mountain, and he got his head between his knees down on the ground, and he began to pray earnestly that it would do what God said it was going to do. People say, well, why do I need to pray about stuff? If God's going to do it, he's going to do it. If he's not going to do it, he's not going to do it. Listen, here's how God designed it. You pray and I move. You don't pray and you might miss it. That's the Bible. So in accordance with God's promise, with God's statement, he goes on top of the mountain, and he prays, and how does he pray? Earnestly. He prayed, and you know he sent his servant out, go, go, go see if there's any movement in the skies, any clouds coming. Comes back, no, there's nothing. What does he do? Must not be God's will. Must have missed God. Didn't hear God. No, what did he do? Put his head between his knees on the ground and prayed again. And he did that seven times before he saw something this big way out there. Praying earnestly is praying with faith, believing that God is going to do what he said he's going to do in his word. Praying earnestly is staying focused in your prayers when Everything around you says it isn't working. Is this doing anything for anybody? That's what it is to pray earnestly. 
It's to stay in it with heart, faith, with some energy, with some fervency. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Like Elijah, who is just like us. What does that mean? He has good days and bad days. He's full of faith, and then one minute, believing God to rain down fire from heaven, and the next minute, he's running from a woman's threat. He's just like us, like all of us husbands. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm teasing. The problem sometimes, I think, with this idea of earnestness, I don't know, like sometimes when I'm praying, I feel like it's such, such a battle to get into it. And I feel like I'm wrestling, and it's just like I, I can't string my sentences together. I, I can't keep my focus. I, you know, I, I feel like it's just, anybody know what I'm talking about? Kind of like that prayer, and it's just you feel like you're wrestling. Here's the problem with us. Here's why we give up sometimes. We feel like we're wrestling, and prayer is a waste of time. No, you know what you're doing? You're wrestling in prayer. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And sometimes in that prayer, and I find it oftentimes in the, in the beginning parts, it's just hard to get the juices flowing and the heart to stay with it and the mind to keep focused. And it's kind of like, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, it's like flying in an airplane. You know how you, you show up, this is like how prayer feels like, you're carrying your bags with you, and then you got to go through this checkpoint, oh, the checkpoint, and i got to empty things out of my suitcase, and i got to go through this, you know, radar thing, and then hopefully there's nothing really wrong with me, I'm going to take off to the side and have this scanner check my body out. And then you got to go into the room in there where you got to wait for some more until they're ready to load you. And of course, if you're not a, you know, if you're not somebody, you're in, you know, it's, you know, you got to wait till everybody else is on board. You know, and, and then you get on board and then you got to wait there for them to get down the runway. And then the last time I flew out of Butte, here's what happened. We got to the runway and we started down the runway and the guy just got the momentum of the plane going, and all of a sudden, he put on the brakes. And then we had to wait back into the airport four hours before we could fly out because of something was wrong with the wing. That feels like my prayer life. Sometimes. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, we're not getting anywhere, but listen, like flying... Sometimes it takes a while to get off the ground, but eventually you're soaring, you're getting up, and you're going to break through that cloud wall, that cloud ceiling, and then you're going to get into the place of soaring. If you hang in there, you'll get there. Pray fervently, earnestly. Amen. Talking about the spear of prayer. Praying spiritually. Utilizing the spiritual language that God has given to you, praying persistently. Pray until something happens. Amen? Pray earnestly with passion and heart. A is pray authoritatively. Pray with the authority that you have been commissioned to advance the will of God in the earth through prayer. Adino and Abishai were among the men who helped to see David's calling fulfilled. David was anointed king when they showed up, but he wasn't the king yet. And when David became king, they they were there with him as well to maintain his kingdom. And here's what it says in 1 Chronicles 11, verse 10. It said that these mighty men of David, uh, that these were the heads of mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. How many of you know that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords? But he's not accepted as king of kings and lord of lords in the earth today. 
Our job here is to help establish his kingdom in the earth. That's our job. That's our role as mighty men and women of God left in the earth today. So why are we here? Not for our glory, but for the glory of our king, Jesus. And we're here to expand his kingdom. And like these mighty men, we're going to help to get the will of God done in the earth. And so if we're going to do that, here's how we pray. Here's how we operate the spirit of prayer. We must pray with authority. Have some authority in our heart. The anointing and the authority of King Jesus is on us. And he has given us authority. Listen to me. He's given every one of us today authority to rule in the earth in his name. This is true. Psalms 115 verse 16 says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. God's plan all along was that we would Rule and have dominion in the earth in the glory of his name. We lost that when Adam and Eve sinned. Jesus came back and won back the title deed in his death and resurrection. And then he gained all that authority to himself. And then he commissioned us in his authority to go back and to possess the earth. Butte, Montana. Deer Lodge, Montana, all of southwest of Montana, all of the earth, everywhere we live, wherever we are, God wants us to take the authority, and we do that in the place of prayer to begin with. Oh, come on out there. Can I get a good amen? You guys are so patient with me. Jesus has given us the power and the authority over all the power of the enemy. He said, in me you will trample on the heads of scorpions and serpents and nothing by any means shall harm you. I've given you power. I've given you authority. I want you to take it. I want you to pray it. Take authority. Stand your ground. You see something that isn't in line with the kingdom of God. We need to stand and take authority over that in Jesus' name. Pray with the, we need to pray with authority. And pray with authority means we pray the will and the word of God. Here's what 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 say. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. I don't know how much more clearer that could be. I mean, if we look at those words, just let's look at them again. Now, this is the confidence. We can be confident. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything in accordance to his will, how do I know his will? I have his word. I pray his word. I take the promises of his word and I stand my ground in his word and I pray those things into reality. That if we ask anything according to his will, where's his will? It's clearly outlined in the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Amen. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever. In the Greek, that means whatever. Whatever we ask. We know that we have the petitions. We have the petitions. We have the petitions that we have asked of him. The advancing power of authority is so important. Remember, the spear, in my mind, represents prayer. And uh, I was reading, in fact, I think we have this. It's found in Acts chapter 23. I want, to, I want to show this to you. It says, prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on. 
and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Now, you might be thinking, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what it has to do with. God showed up. to There were, there were Jews that wanted to kill Paul. They were going to kill him. They were planning, plotting to kill him. And Paul got really discouraged, and I think even a little afraid. And the Lord showed up in the middle of the night, and he said, Paul, you don't need to be afraid. He said, you're going to go to Rome, and you're going to witness about me. And so they found out that there were some people that were plotting when they released Paul to go to Rome, that there were some Jews that were lying in wait to kill him, about 40 40, uh, people lying in wait to kill him. They heard of this, and the governor said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build around him an entourage of authority so that he will get to where he needs to go. And I love the idea, 200 spearmen. 200 spearmen. This guy didn't even know that he was doing God's will, but God had already told him, told Paul, You're going to go to Rome. It looks like the end for you, but it's not the end. And just like the 200 spearmen centered around Paul got him to where God wanted him to be, so if we will pray in the authority of Jesus' name, we will get, we will see things get where God wants them to be in our own lives and in the world around us. But it's going to take prayer. Amen. Let let me bring this to a close quickly. Here we go. R is that we need to pray routinely. In other words, here's what it means. Pray every day. Adino and Abishai were excellent because they they honed their craft. You can't kill 800 people in one setting if you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't put the practice in. You can't kill 300 enemy warriors at one time unless you've put the effort into it. You have to to work at it. And so I think this is a lesson for us to pray, to make prayer a routine part of our life. We're still at the outset of a new year. And if you haven't made this commitment, I would encourage you to make the commitment to stand your ground in prayer, which means I'm going to commit myself to routinely, daily, as much as I possibly can, to give myself to the place of prayer, to go there. Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, and he's always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. See there? By prayer, we stand. Why don't we pray? Why aren't we giving ourselves routinely to the place of prayer? Well, number one, the devil is doing everything he can to keep you out of the closet. Now, I'm not saying the devil made you do it. I'm saying you need to understand there is someone who's there to hinder your commitment to it. That's what I'm saying. Here's another reason why we don't pray, because sin causes us to run from God. When we commit sin, we get all discouraged. We, get, we, get, we come under a spirit of condemnation. Remember Adam and Eve? When they sinned, they didn't run to God. They ran away from him. This is why a lot of people don't pray because they've got struggles in their life and they had that in the back of their mind and they never really feel free to talk to God or like they can go to God. But listen, if you're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Listen, the last thing you need to do is to run from God. You need to run to God. He'll meet you there. Come on, isn't that good news? Another reason why we don't pray is because of unanswered prayer recently. 
We've prayed about some things and things haven't happened. I've got disappointed. I'm, in fact, I'm mad about it. I'm not going to pray anymore. Another reason why we don't pray is we don't have a plan for prayer. We don't, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to go about it. We, and another reason why we don't pray is we don't think it matters. Listen, prayer doesn't change God, but it can change your circumstance, and it will definitely change you if you go there. What do we need to understand about prayer, making it a routine in our life? Julie or somebody, would you come please? Listen, daily prayer is a choice. It's not a convenience. If you want to pray every day, you're going to have to choose to do that. You can't pray based on if it's convenient or not. Amen. Where's my amens at? It's not convenience-based. It's choice-based. Daily prayer is about a relationship. It's not about religion. We have to go into the place Jesus taught us to pray. Father who art in heaven. That's relationship. It's getting to know God. Prayer is getting to know God. And, and not just getting things from God. Going into it not just focused on what can God do for me today, but just getting to know Him. That's where it all starts. Just staying in that place of intimacy and relationship. Daily prayer, this is what Martin Luther said, is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. When I go into prayer, I have to understand God is not being reluctant to give me anything. He is drawing me into a place where I take hold of the willingness of God to, to do in my life what he promised to do. But I'm never going to get there if I don't stand my ground there. Church, we are in times right now where we have got to stand. Paul said, having done everything to be found standing. To stand there. To stand there. Would you stand with me right now? I don't know what you've been facing in your life recently. What you've been going through. But I really believe God is calling us to stand our ground. Running, hiding, quitting, giving up doesn't work. We got we to gotta get into our ground and we got to stand there. And probably the number one way, what we talked about today, is prayer. Committing ourselves to being praying people. Would you like to do that? Would you like to be a praying mighty man? Or woman of God? Let's ask him right now. We have not because we ask not. So let's ask him right now. Lord, would you raise us up to be mighty men and women of prayer? Lord, my marriage needs it. My children need it. My business needs it. I need it. My city needs it. God, I pray that we, won't, we will not feel drawn into kind of any kind of legalism today, but into a relationship, God, into a place of victory, God, where we can be like Adino and Abishai, Lord, where we are victorious. Even though it may take a while, we are victorious. God, I pray that we would put on the spirit of prayer in our lives. Lord, forgive us for giving up, quitting, and walking away. And I pray, God, that a fervency and an earnestness will come into our hearts concerning prayer. And Lord, I pray, too, that you would just pour out your spirit right now. Can I have the prayer team come on up here, if you would, please? Just come and be ready to pray for anyone. I pray, Lord, 
for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit in fresh measure today. I pray, God, that if we haven't prayed in our spiritual language in a, in a while, God, that you would, you would help us, God, to step back into that grace and that calling by faith. God, that we would pray through our feelings by the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, that if anyone here doesn't, hasn't received the gift of a spiritual language yet, God, that you would just pour it out on them today like you did in the book of Acts. Oh, God, equip us. God, equip us, I pray, to overcome, to stand our ground. In prayer, in Jesus' name, everybody says amen.